Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Wherever you're listening, whatever time you're listening, welcome back to the Youth Academy Podcast. My name is Zach Smith. You can follow me on Twitter at ZachSportsTalk0. I'm here with my man John Frashanti. You can follow him on Twitter at jfrashanti one uh, uh, Logan Alexander, our other man, is out this week. He is working that super early shift. So we are here on a Friday morning at 10.19 a.m. Uh, starting up our newest episode. We are back, for those of you who are wondering where we were, summer hit. Uh, and since then, we've watched the Euros, some of the Olympics, and played a bunch of Pokemon Go. But here we are. We have returned. Uh, John, how are you, man? What's up? Man, I'm doing really good. It's great to have you on. It's great to be back. Uh, today, we're not going to be doing much of the normal segments. We're not going to be hitting up Hattrick Heroes. We're not going to be hitting up Performance of the Week, Results, all that jazz. Nothing too exciting in those going on. What we're going to be covering today is our predictions for the season. So we're going to be looking at the top five leagues in Europe. That's England, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. We're going to be talking about who's going to win, who's going to maybe go for Champions League, uh, and who could be dropping down to the next division. Uh, from there, we're going to be looking at the winners and losers in the transfer window, hitting up the same five leagues and looking at the big boys and seeing who did well and who didn't do so well. Um, so, John, uh, we're going to jump straight into things. We're going to talk about uh, predictions for the season, and we're going to move straight into England. A um, bunch of business going on in the transfer window this past uh, window. Still open, uh, but plenty of business going in there. They have spent the most amongst all the top five divisions. We've got a lot of new faces coming in. We've got a lot of new managers coming in. What are you thinking uh, how this season is going to shape up. I think that this year is going to be the most competitive uh, season yet because we have the top managers. We have Jose Mourinho. We have Pep Guardiola in Manchester. Uh, and I think the Manchester Derby is going to be really exciting this year. We haven't really paid attention to that derby no one has no one even cared about Manchester that much but when you place these two managers uh, that bought massive players we have Pogba going to United John Stones Pep Guardiola bought my man from Everton and no one really cares about him that much but yeah it wasn't a great buy but I think it's going to be a very competitive year no one knows where Leicester is going to finish so it's very exciting. The champions. I heard. I was watching a video. I was watching a video, and uh, they said that uh, Leicester might finish twelfth. I just can't see them finishing that low. Uh, but it's the excitement of the Premier League. You can't predict anything. We try to do it every single week, but uh, it's not going to happen. And that's why you have to watch the league. That's why they're getting they're getting a billion dollars from their broadcasting deals because you need to watch it to see what's going to happen. Uh, and a lot of people in England get paid a lot of money t to talk about it, but they're talking so much shit every single week because they don't know what they're talking about, and that's why you have to listen to the Youth Academy pod. Yeah, you got a lot of good points there. Leicester's exciting. Chelsea's exciting. City's exciting. United's ex exciting. Everything's a bit excited again. So it's going to be a great year to watch the Premier League. We're going to talk about top four. We're going to talk about champions uh, here, John. What are we thinking for uh, top four? What are you thinking? Uh, so before we came on, I was like, I don't know who was going to win the league, uh, but it can either be Manchester City and Manchester United. I think Mourinho has an advantage because he managed in the league before. He managed with, che uh, with Chelsea and Guardiola is coming in. And okay, he had some preseason, but 
you need experience within the league. So even though he is a great manager and he knows what he's doing and he can bring Man City back up and, and win the league eventually, but I just can't see it happening this year. Uh, then again, Mourinho has that advantage. But for some reason, I just can't see him winning it either. I just don't know why, but I don't know. I'm going to go with uh, Manchester United. Things will probably change. Maybe Leicester wins it again. Who knows? Uh, the funniest part about this season is that people are saying, Leicester can't do it again. L- Leicester can't do it because they're playing in the Champions League. They're going to have more matches. I understand that aspect, but... It's weird because last season, like in the middle of the season, they were top of the league, and they, and they were like, Leicester can't finish it off like this. They can't, like you were saying that it's boring football, one nil results, but they're getting the job done. You know, like they won the league that way, and it, it's a weird argument of do you want to see like uh, beautiful football to win a title, or do you want to see uh, just like one nil and winning it that way, just scrapping off results? So. I don't know. I think a lot of people want to see beautiful football, but then other people want to win the league. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if we're looking at the Leicester argument real quick before I jump into my predictions, I think Leicester are going to finish somewhere around like maybe anywhere from 7th to ninth. But I think uh, for their supporters, that's pretty exciting for them because you get promoted, right? You win the league. For them, I think they have to accept who they are as a club first. Because you're not going to be competing with Manchester United. You're not going to be competing with City and Chelsea. And people are saying Liverpool is going to finish fourth. I just can't see that. But they're not going to be competing with those clubs. And they are going to have an extra match a week as well. So they have to rotate the squad. And you're going to see maybe some injuries. They A lot of players weren't injured throughout the season. Yeah, they got really lucky last season with injuries. I mean, their big three, Kante, Mares, and Vardy, for the most part, were healthy. I think Vardy had a little bit of a problem mid- part of the way through the season. But you kept your big three boys healthy all season, and that's something that's a lot of times difficult when you have a 38-game season plus cups and all that jazz. So, yeah, so uh, if they I, I finish... think last year got to be finished seventh or ninth because of that because Kante is so, so, so important. I mean, you can look at the big three and say, oh, yeah, it's all Vardy and Mares because they're the guys scoring the goals. But Kante had the most tackles in the league and the most interceptions in the league. He had four, around 4.7 tackles per game, 4.2 interceptions per game. So you talk about a guy who can lear- really learn how to break up play and cause disruption in that midfield. And that was the bigger reason that Lester could get on the counter because he would win possession of the ball and feed it out to Mares, the wing, and he would pump it up forward to Vardy, or he's going to bring it himself. So I think he was the biggest reason why they could play that counterattacking style and I think without him, you're going to have a big problem with that. I mean, Mendy is coming in from France, I think, and he's a decent replacement. Uh, he could be another Kante, if you will. But right now, I'm looking at Mendy as an inadequate replacement for a guy who was the best defensive midfielder in the league by far last year. And I don't think Leicester can really recover from that fully uh, to finish top four. I definitely think they're a good enough team because they kept the core together. But I just think his loss is a really, really important one. Yeah, but if they, like, say they push on and, say, get out of the group and just go as far as they could, maybe not the semis, but somewhere close, uh, and if they make a a nice push in the Champions League, which is going to be a very exciting campaign for their supporters, and if if you finish seventh, that should be a good 
campaign for the club. And like I said earlier, well, definitely because that's a qualification for Europa League. Yeah, you. But then, if you think about it, you're in the Champions League, and then now you're in the Europa League. That's a step down as a club. But then again, you have to accept where you are as a club, and you're not looking at Leicester now as like oh, a Man City. You're not looking at them like that. So, yeah, and uh, losing Conte, I don't know. It, it, it's a hard one. Why would you want to leave your club that you won the league with and all that to go to Chelsea that don't have any European football? But then again, it's just going to a, a bigger club, not at the moment, but just as a brand, as a name. When you associate yourself mm-hmm. with, I'm playing for Chelsea, that sort of turns people's heads. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's a natural progression. I mean, yeah. when you do that well at a club that's mid-major quality and you see a bigger team coming in, you said it yourself, it's a, in, at the current point in time, this isn't a good move realistically. You're missing out on European soccer uh, and you're going, to, you're going to a team that's struggled as of late. You know, I say as of late, that was only one year. But I think long term, I mean, he's younger, he's in his mid-20s, he's going to hit his prime relatively soon and you'd like to be in a club that's going to have that European soccer for sure, and down on the long road. And I think Kante is definitely going to come in and start. I mean, without a doubt, he's going to be better than Matic. Yeah, so I think the younger players at Leicester might move on to go to that bigger club as a brand, and they might move on to do better things in the future. Like Marez, he might potentially go to uh, Arsenal if that might happen. Arsenal or Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, if uh, Wenger splash out the cash, which I can't see happening, so he would probably go to Chelsea. <laughs> uh, so yeah, th- I think the younger players might leave because they have a they're gonna have a brighter future, and this is their only opportunity to do that, unless they have a great year this year and they move to like Barcelona, or Real Madrid. Which then again, I can't see that happening either. Uh, and then like my question for you is. Uh... If Mares does leave, because he's more than likely, obviously, to leave now since Vardy signed the new contract and turned out Arsenal, which I think made sense for him realistically. Uh, if Mares leaves, where does Leicester finish? Because I mean, that's two out of the big three gone. Well, I I think if I'm Mares, and I know this wasn't the question, but if I'm Mares, I don't leave because uh, Claudio Ranieri came out in an interview and said if he leaves, he's not going to be the star player there. He's not going to be a, a consistent starter. He's going to be probably taking a squad role. He's going to be on the bench. And they don't really understand him that much uh, as a player. But with Lester and with Ranieri, he's one of the mo- most important pieces in the squad. If he leaves, then I-, I just can't see them making a great push in the Champions League. I mean, just being in the Champions League is a privilege for Leicester City. Uh so maybe like an uh, a ninth or tenth finish for Leicester, which again wouldn't be a bad finish at all, because you're competing with clubs that are spending a lot more money than you. What I don't understand is each club receives a hundred million pounds each season. What is Leicester doing with that money? Who are they buying? What are half of these teams doing with their money? Sunderland has brought in what two guys? Uh, they brought in Paddy McNair and Donald Love the other day from United for a combined five million pounds. Yeah, I, I, what are you I just doing can't understand it. When you compare the leagues, right? So if you say like per, uh, the Premier League and Serie A, in the Premier League, the worst club has as much money. Okay, not like the owners backing them, but it has a hundred million pounds each season given by the league. So that is like fair play right there to every single club. But in Italy, no one's handing anyone money. So 
you just have to have the rich owners, and the people at the bottom just don't have the rich owners. And I, I think I just think that's what makes it very competitive. Is like I want to be the top guy because we don't have that much money, but we want to do like what Leicester did. But in England, it's like well, everyone has the money, and it's still very competitive because, like we said, not a lot of people are using that money. Maybe they're saving it and trying to spend it somewhere else. I don't know, but I just think that a lot of clubs should be improving their players and buy bigger names than they are. Leicester City, I, I would just go out there and uh, buy Lacazette. <laughs> Imagine Vardy and Lacazette for Leicester City. That would be massive. Uh, you don't like Musa? I love Musa. He's so freaking sick. Or he's got He's got so much pace and agility, and he's also got a good f- weak foot on him, so I like him. Um so looking at my top four, I said United to finish top, and it's very hard for me, sort of, just because I know how poor they were last season. But I still still think their transfers in and of themselves have been good enough to put them to the top. I like City to finish second. I like Guardiola and what he does with his tactics, for the most part, with his big boys teams that he's managed, and he's brought in enough players to, you know, strengthen the squad and give it depth. Uh, third, I'm going to say Chelsea. I think they're going to be returning back to. Winning ways, I think Conte is going to get a new fire into the squad, much like any new manager. You're going to put a lot of passion and a lot of um, excitement into the team with a new manager entering in. And I like Conte, like I said. I think he's going to be a lot better in that midfield spot for them to uh, break up the play and get up the counter. <clears throat> and then fourth, I'm actually going to say Spurs. Uh, I think we're forgetting, I mean, forgetting how well Spurs played for basically the entire season last year. They had a blow up at the very end, so and I think they added depth in their team. They added Jensen from AZ Alkmaar, over in the Eredivisie, to basically back up Harry Kane. But because for the most part, if Harry Kane was to go down this season or last season, who are you playing in there? I mean, you're looking at a hole that is pretty massive. And then I think they did really well in business with signing Banyama um, from us. Southampton, about a little over ten, eleven million pounds, uh, and he's going to give you a decent center midfielder that's going to sit back and uh, dictate play and also win a lot of balls in the midfield. Uh, so I like them for four uh, relegation spots. Uh, West Brom, 18th place. Their their squad is so weak. They only signed Matt Phillips uh, from QPR. I know him. I like him. I miss him. Uh, but he's a little lazy, actually. He's a good winger, but he's got a good strike, good skill, but a little bit lazy. And that's the only sign they, signing they've made. They released Stefan Sessegnon. I, I don't like that move. I don't like releasing Ichibi. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't like those two moves. And I think Barahino was kind of poor last season because he wanted to move away from West Brom so badly that he didn't play well at all. And if he leaves this year, you don't really have much of a striker besides Rondon. And the top score, he was their top scorer last year, and he scored nine, nine goals. To, uh, and then the other two candidates, I'm going to say for relegation, are Burnley. Their squad is just weak. Uh, I mean, anytime you come up from the championship, you can be the best in one division, but when you come into the top, it's always going to be a little bit difficult for you to do well. Uh, and then for the last candidate in the last place, I'm going to say the season, it's going to be Hull. Um, you can clearly tell they're not going in the right direction. They, <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. They uh, they basically just let Mohamed Dejane go to Castle in the second division. He was probably their best player in the center of the field. And Steve Bruce doesn't like the direction that the club is taking, and he basically mutually terminated his contract with the club. So you have no manager days before the season even starts. So 
that's just not a recipe for success for me. And you're coming back up. Your squad isn't that strong. I think those are my three candidates for uh, relegation. Yeah, I agree with you on uh, your your top four, but I think Leicester is not going to, I mean, not Leicester, Arsenal, I just can't see them making it uh, or winning that fourth place trophy like they always do every single year. Uh, I just think if they can't buy a striker and if they can't improve their squad, then they're not going to make it in the top four. Uh, And I feel that Arsenal is going to sack Arsene Wenger in the middle of the season. It's going to happen. Because Whoa, that's cool. because once the supporters don't like the results because they're going to be uh, not up there with the rest of the bunch. Because Arsenal, when you look at the brand and you look at the club, you think they're a massive club. We all think that. But when you see United and you see City and Chelsea bringing in brand new managers and improving their squad for the season, Arsenal, they're being left behind. They really are. And uh, that's why I can't see them finishing there. And he is going to be sacked somewhere in the middle of the season because the supporters are going to really going to get upset. And uh, like they said, that they're they're going to be calling for him to be sacked. So we'll see that happen sometime during the season. And to be relegated, Watford. I just don't know what they're doing. Uh, and they don't even have a, a lot of players either. They, I think they have like seven or eight injuries as well. So. That's a very shocking thing to have no manager. So I think they're going to have their assistant manager uh, man the touchline on the weekend, which I don't think they're going to. Well, I said Watford. I mean, whole city. My apologies. Uh, West Brom is going to go down as well. And Burnley, like Zach said, if you don't improve your squad. Hey, look you're at not... you agreeing with me. Yeah, because you're, you're, you're the man. They, don't, <laughs> they have $100 million. Spend the money. Stay up. And get another hundred million. They're handing you money to stay in the top division. If you don't use it the wisely, the incentives in this league is ridiculous. I mean, you're going to get the most broadcasting, you know, in the entire world, and you're going to get a hundred million. There's no reason. Even not if to you get relegated, so you're like, well, we sold like thousands of jerseys abroad. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you can like get new fans tomorrow. Like Burnley, there could be like fifty Burnley fans in like Illinois. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> That's something that I think a lot of people don't look at is like, okay, we got promoted. We should spend our money and mm-hmm. stay here. And I, I just can't put together of why they get relegated. You have the money to spend, improve your squad before the start of the season, and that's all you can do. In other leagues, they, they don't help you out so much. They're like, you're promoted. Okay, now try to stay up somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's England. We'll come back in the transfer uh, window winners and losers for that division. But we're going to move on to France. This one's going to be about 30 seconds long. John, who's going to win? Can we all agree in Ligue 1? I'm going to go with Lyon. Stop. You're lying to yourself. PSG is going to win it. No, no, no. I'm going to go with PSG. Uh, no Ibra, no problems. They still have Cavani. They brought in Ben Arfa. They're, but they're Cavani's hurt, fine. man. No, he'll be fine. I mean, realistically, they still have the strongest squad. I mean, if Matuidi leaves, you'd have a bit of a problem. But there's nowhere, there's nobody even close in that division even getting. Or maybe, maybe they buy James uh, Rodriguez from Real Madrid. Oh, they already brought Hesse. You might as well get both of them. Man. That would be a great like pickup for Everton, man. They're they're not signing James. Well, they have now. They have 150 million dollars to spend. <laughs> they're not going to do anything. 
Okay, thanks, man. <laughs> okay, so we can agree that uh, PSG is going to win. Liga. Uh, to Germany, I mean, I guess it's very fair. It's a two-horse race uh, again. But, John, who do you have winning the league? Uh, Bayern Munich for sure. you got Ancelotti on the touchline. He's going to bring success to Munich. It's going to be a party in Germany. I would have to agree. Uh, I like Dortmund and Leverkusen to uh, to finish in those Champions League spots. I like Dortmund of what they've done, though, because I think what they did is a really, really... Uh, we're going to talk about in the transfer window, winners and losers, but I really like what they've done in the window. And, I mean, realistically, Bayern have done, I would say... Uh, I don't know. I think they've done worse business, actually, because... Because, I mean, they brought Hummels in from Dortmund, so that's obviously taking the be- the better players from their rival. They also gave them Roda and Goetze. I mean, so you're t- trading off one for two. You're kind of giving your rival two guys for one. I like Goetze back at Dortmund, and we'll get more into that later, but I really like that move. Um, so I think Bayern's going to win it. Uh, and uh, Julian like Green got a first-team place as well with Bayern Munich as well, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I really liked seeing him in the International Champions Cup. He scored that hat trick in the first half against who was that? Milan. Uh, I think so. I loved the watching that. That was amazing. I want him to get first team action, but the problem is, it's just it's so deep in those positions up front. You're working with Robin Ribery, Costa, now Renato Sanchez, Lewandowski. So much depth and skill in that area, those areas. Well, at least he's learning from the best. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe he's not getting a lot of minutes to play, but this is an experience that every player wants, right? So yep. when he comes back to play for the national team, hopefully he gets selected uh, for the next uh, matches, and hopefully he gets selected for the 2018 World Cup as well if he's part of Klinsman's, uh, uh team to go there. And hopefully he is because he's going to have this experience of playing in Germany, playing at the highest level, and playing with a top club and learning each day from some great players. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, for my relegation, I didn't even mention in France, whatever, who cares. Uh, uh, for German, the German League uh, relegation, I'm going to look at Darmstadt, uh, second-year slump, sophomore slump, if you will. Finished around mid-table, but their squad is just not that good. And then Red Bull lights big, probably yeah. going to go right back down after getting uh, promoted. Yeah, they're gonna get relegated massively. I I hope they get relegated to like the fifth division, man. Like I don't I don't. Yeah, like that, that sounds a bit heavy. Why do you got so much hate? Because I don't like Red Bull anything. Like, <laughs> like oh, I yeah, don't this care. Is from the Cosmos guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Red like Red Bull own like hockey teams. They own like random teams in Brazil. They own yeah. They they own like I don't even drink Red Bull, man. Red Bulls are gross, honestly. In red, in relative comparison, I used to, you know, drink an energy drink occasionally, like before tournaments. Because for those of you who don't know, I actually played soccer. I do know what I'm talking about when it comes to tactics and ball. So he you did know, like so, what Loki um, did, and he drank like five Red Bulls before going to us. No, 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 Loki. He drinks like five Red Bulls. He doesn't even like. I mean, I don't know if he plays the sport at all, but he drinks Red Bull. I mean, yeah, Red Bull, and. He goes into the stands and watches a game. <laughs> yeah, how can you, I don't think I need energy drinks to watch a game unless you're. Well, he's a capo. You know what I mean. So he needs he needs his energy. Yeah, of all the energy drinks I've had, I've had uh, Kickstart, which I actually enjoyed. Yeah, Red that's Bowl, pretty good. I drank, I drank it, and I didn't feel anything. 
and, and it didn't have the best taste. I was just like, well, that was just completely worthless. I drink monsters personally. That's my personal preference. They have really good taste. I mean, eventually I stopped drinking them for the energy and more for the taste because I really enjoy them a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> energy drinks on the Youth Academy pod. I mean, I don't uh, really drink that much, but uh, yeah, okay. Monster is the best one out there, so go pick up a monster. Yeah, absolutely. Not sponsored at all. We're not sponsored by all. No, no sponsor. But we'll take a sponsor. Monster, if you're listening. Yeah, we'll get a sponsor, man. Monster, if you're listening, you know, you can email us at jvachande11 at com. Yeah. That was really quick, but hopefully they heard that. The Monster Academy pod. We can pull that up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Welcome to the Youth Academy pod, sponsored by Monster. Pick up one at your local store. That sounded very official. Yeah. I like that. We need to we need to hook some hook ourselves up. Uh, Italy, John's League. Hey, yeah, we should just rebrand it. Like no one cares except John. Um. But uh, yeah, okay, Italy. Let's get into this thing. Really? Yeah, I hate Juve as much as I hate Red Bull as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people listening to this pod would be like, John, why are you so upset, man? Go outside or something. No, I'm mad because you're pale. If you don't go outside, yes, I do. I mean, I don't. Looking at you right now, <laughs> I'm not pale. You look like you haven't seen sun in like days. I, I mean, I was outside in my pool. And I went to the beach and all that, and I got, like, sunburned and all that, like, on my back and everything. Is there a beach in New Jersey that's actually warm? <laughs> what did you say? I said, where is there a beach in New Jersey that's actually warm? We have tons of beaches. Like, why people come to Jersey is because of the Jersey Shore. And if there if there was no shore, like, if there was no beach, I don't think no one would be here. Like, no one cares anymore. You got Oompa Loompas running around. Oompa Loompas. Yeah, Jersey Shore. Pauly D, Snooky. Oh, yeah, man. I don't care for those people at all. <laughs> and if people do, then, man, I don't know what to tell them. Follow soccer. They're like, part of, they're follow part of Everton. your extended family, right? Well, I mean, we're all Italian. I mean, you're, you're not Italian, but I, what happened? I'm not Italian. I'm, I'm like German and English. <laughs> yeah, so, like, all the Italians out there, we're probably, like, all family somehow. So, like, okay, Pauly D is my homie. Oh, I love the uh, family love there. Pauly D, you know, if, if you spike your hair, you'd probably look like him. Uh, but anyway, nonetheless, uh, I think this is much like Germany and France. This league is a one or two horse race. I think Juve is going to win it. Their strong, their squad now is so much stronger than what I thought come to the beginning of the window. Uh, if you ask me what the squad they had now would be, what it is, I don't know if I would believe you. But it's it's really really a squad strong. Uh, but I think. Uh, I don't really know if there's much of a challenge. John, what do you think about in this league? Well, out. okay, so since I'm a Monopoly fan, I'm going to say there is some type of challenge, which uh, I'm led to believe that Juve is going to win the league eventually because I don't know what type of fight Napoli is going to give Juve because they just bought our uh, top scorer on the team in the league. So that really hurts. He scored 36 goals last season. So I think for Napoli the biggest problem is saying who are we going to bring in that's going to score that many goals or is going to bring that much to the team. And they brought in Milik from uh from the Netherlands, I believe. I think Ajax, I'm not pretty sure. Yeah, 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 he came in from uh the Eredivisie and I for Ajax, yep. Yeah, so I don't know how good he is. I ne- I just didn't follow him at all. But he seems like a pretty good replacement. 
He's 22. Higuain's about to be 29. So that's a pretty decent business right there. And they're trying mm-hmm. to buy Cardi. Uh, and I think Inter wants like 60 million. And That's uh, an overpay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, their thing is that Icardi wants a new contract. And then Inter saying, no, he's happy with his contract. But Icardi's wife is his agent. So they're trying to push for a new deal. Yeah. And, and he's the captain as well. But the weirdest part about Inter is that Roberto Mancini, their manager, got sacked. Frank DeBoer got appointed within the past couple of days. And he's saying that we're not selling Icardi. He's the most important part of our team. So when you hear that, if I'm Napoli, I'm like, okay, let's go somewhere else. But they keep pushing for Icardi, Icardi. $60 million is not worth it. For $60 million, you can go buy uh, Lukaku. Add, like, another 15 and you could buy Lukaku, uh, which I think is much better than, than Icardi. So I think the problem for Napoli— Yeah, I think in relative terms, Iguain was 90, roughly, basically, with the 45 and then the release clause. I mean, yeah, but his... the problem with buying Higuain was that Juve said, okay, we're going to pay 47 in two years. So each year, in the next two years, they're going to pay $47 million. So if you're a Napoli, yeah. you're not sitting with $90 million. You're only having 47 right now. So to, to replace that player, it's going to be really hard because Napoli don't have massive owners. We have like a local yeah. owner. Okay, he makes some money, but... He's not going to spend as much as Juve's spending because he's pretty cheap. I understand where he's coming from because we're not making a lot of money as a club. We don't uh, play consistently in the Champions League. But I think if if he invests well, then we can make that money back in a second in the Champions League. I would really love if they go out there and and bring Cavani back. I, I think that would sort of uh, excite the supporters so much because he used to play with Napoli and so on. Uh, And I think he would replace Gonzalo really, really, really good. Uh, But I think last season, Napoli was playing not as a team, but was playing more as just Gonzalo Higuain FC, right? So they were just passing the ball to him and just letting him score. So the service was great. So that has to mean that it doesn't matter who we put uh, up front they're going to score the goals. And I would like I would like to see the team play more as the team this season than last season. So I think we're going to see a lot more moves with Napoli. They're going to buy some quality players, hopefully. And hopefully we make a push in the Champions League because that's what our supporters need. And the funniest part, Zach, is right when it was announced that Gonzalo signed with Juve, man, things were going off in Naples. People were lighting his jersey on fire. People were flushing the toilet down the toilet, which I don't know if that works or not. I would not try it. Uh, Clogging up some pipes. You may not be able to use the bathroom for days. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe they like didn't put the jersey in like their bathroom. Maybe they put it in like a McDonald's bathroom. You know what I mean? Probably, yeah. Fresh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Better. Yeah. And then they put the jersey on like uh, garbage bins as well. So he is not wanted you, in Naples at all. What do you all. think about things like that? I mean, because realistically, when I looked at this deal, I didn't feel bad for Napoli fans at all because here's and I'm sorry, but the, you can't get all that upset. And the owner got upset too, obviously, because he you know wrote about how Iguain's a traitor, blah blah blah. But I mean, do you really blame Gonzalo Iguain for making a bigger move? I mean, we just talked about it with Kante. You were at a team that you thought you did all that you could with, and then you're going to move on to a bigger challenge with more money involved as well. I mean, he's going to a bigger club. He's going to get, you know, European soccer regularly in the Champions League, and you're going to win more titles that way. And 
that's what happens when you put a release clause in somebody's contract. If yeah, you don't yeah. want a player to don't put the release clause in the contract, like I don't feel bad for you, Napoli, at all, because you did that. Well, I think the reason why they put the release clause in is like, okay, we'll sell them for the right price, right? So they wouldn't accept like, oh, $30 million. Like, you know how Chelsea tries to lowball like Everton for Lukaku? So yep. when they put the release clause, it's like $90 million or nothing. But I think why people are so upset in Naples is because he meant a lot to the city. Because in Europe, they – like. Oh, all they have is their soccer team. Here we have like like 50 sports, right? We follow so many teams, and it really doesn't matter to us what really happens because we're distracted so much. But in Naples, what moves the city is the team. And I think Gonzalo meant a lot. He brought a lot to the team, and that hurt them because he, you know, like your main player left like your rival, and uh, that is what made them all upset. And I totally understand. And I think as a supporter, we need to, okay, understand how we feel, but then think if we were that player as well. Uh, and that's yeah, really, really, really hard to do. Shoes. Yeah, it's really hard to do, but he moved up. To put it he in went perspective, to a, uh-huh. uh, if we're going to equate it to maybe people that don't watch soccer all that much and that are more in tune with, uh, per se, NBA. LeBron James. Remember man. when LeBron left Cleveland and went to Miami and took his talents to South Beach? Yeah, I remember that night so much. I remember he was on TV and he was like, I'm going to announce where I'm going to play next, right? So That was so unnecessary. Why <laughs> did we need a Sports Center segment like that was 30 minutes long just for LeBron James to announce where he was going? Why couldn't we just do a breaking news update? I that think there was like those. kids around him when he was announcing it, right? Yeah. He was like in this big, like, it looked like a gymnasium almost. And I think it was, it was like, like a boys and girls everywhere. club or something like that. Yeah. It was like, what a weird venue. And I remember watching that and thinking, I'm hoping he's coming to the Knicks, right? Uh, yeah. And yeah, then he announced he's going to the Heat. So that's sort of like, oh my God, I thought he was coming to the Knicks, but no, he's going to the Heat, which I really don't like the Heat as well. Uh, but I don't I know why. I think we have to realize that. Players have to do what's best for them, whether it's money or whether it's you know moving on to a bigger, better team. And I think that's what LeBron did. That's what Gonzalo did, and it's going to happen. That's what Kante did, and I don't think I can be all that upset about what Gonzalo did. As far as the league, I'm saying Juventus wins it. Napoli comes in second, despite the fact that they lose Higuain, just because I think their squad's still just good enough in general. And I don't like the fact that uh, Roma lost Pjanic, uh, so I don't think they can challenge uh, because of that. So I think it's going to be. Um, Juve, Napoli, uh, with Inter on the cusp. I think they're coming on the way back. AC Milan, not so much, but I do like Inter to finish a little bit higher. Yeah, Inter is pretty exciting because you have Frank De Boer. He never coached outside of the Netherlands and all that, so that should be pretty exciting for him. He was rumored to get the Everton job, but they went with Ronald Koeman from Southampton. Uh, so, yeah, pretty exciting to see him get a, a another chance outside of his country. Yep. And Italy is really hard. He's not Italian at all, so he needs to learn a lot in the next couple of weeks. And what really shocked me is that they sacked Mancini right before the season started. Like I think it's like two weeks away. At least he has I hate some when time. You do that. Yeah, I just can't I mean, understand that. What confidence that. does that instill in your team if you're a squad? I mean, you're firing your manager days before. I just don't like that. You could have sacked him like at the end of the season, and then gave Frank DeBoer enough time to say, okay. Let me buy the players that I want. Let me implement my yep. style of play. 
But now he has two weeks to do that, which is not enough time. We're seeing with Everton that uh, Kuman had, I think, over a month or two, I believe, with his team, with his brand new team, and he's saying that they're only 70%. The game, their first match starts on Saturday. How is the team only 70% ready for this match? If I'm the chairman, if I'm the owner, I'm going to get really upset because I appointed you to change the the style of play, change the mentality around the club, and we're only 70% against Spurs? That's crazy. Really crazy. So, yeah, Napoli, I think they're going to finish second. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully we challenge for the title, which could be impossible. A lot of people just think that Juve just walks the league every year. Last last year they just didn't. Napoli was top of the table, I think, by Christmas, I believe. And then Juve just came out of nowhere and just won everything. So Napoli has that small chance, but they have to get off winning in the beginning. If they don't, then they're going to lose the league really early. Uh, so Serie A is really, really exciting. I think a lot of supporters should watch it. If you follow England or Spain or France, get involved in Serie A. Pick, pick a club because if you don't pick a club, then you're not sort of mo- motivated to watch a game. Uh, so pick a club. You don't have to have any allegiances or you, you, you don't have to have any ties to that city at all. But just pick a club that you can actually uh, watch and follow that you like to watch. And just follow Italian soccer because it's pretty, pretty exciting. That was adorable. Uh, So relegation candidates real quick for Serie A. I'm going to say Palermo, Pescara. And then first-time team in the Serie A, Crotone. I think they're going to get relegated again, though. Uh, moving on into Spain, we're going to go, I'm going to say Barcelona wins. I'm going to say Real Madrid comes second, Atleti comes third. Uh, really tight again this year, much like last year. I think it's going to be really, really, really close come the end. I think relegation candidates, I'm going to go with newly promoted Alaves, Leganes, and, and uh, last year, about oh, mid-table team, Deportivo, La Corona. So those are my three relegation, three title winners. Did you uh, see sorry, that uh, Las Palamos got Kevin prince Boteng? Yeah, I was going to say they were going to get relegated, but then they got voting, and I was like, no, there's no way. They had 6,000 people in the stadium to welcome him to the team. I'm very confused as to why he had no club anyway. I mean, he's not a bad player at all. I mean, we're talking about one of the best Ghanaians for a while, but here we are. Yeah, he went to a not a very popular Spanish club. For some people, they probably never heard of it. Maybe he never heard of it either. But, uh, yeah, so I, I just think that's the reality of the sport today, of modern football, is that no one cares about the club. No one cares about the city at all. No, The players don't care about the supporters at all. And I think that's what we have to accept. There might be some exceptions. What? Don't get me depressed. See, there there could be some exceptions for those smaller clubs. So, so say... Los Palamos, whatever, however you, you pronounce it. I know I just messed up this time around. But <laughs> they signed Prince Boateng, and you can probably meet him. You could probably talk to him and get his autograph and all that. But once you go to, like, Manchester United and you're trying to get touched, uh, get close to Pogba, you're not going to get close to him at all. And that's the reality of the sport. Like, when uh, Raul came to New York to play for the Cosmos, He's used to this big club. He's used to Real Madrid. He played with Schalke. So the the supporters 
never get close to him. They never do. But when he came to the Cosmos, he probably thought it was a big club style when he came, like a massive stadium and all that. But it's a smaller environment. So most of the supporters are going to meet Raul. Most of the supporters are going to meet him and talk to him and get his autograph. He wasn't for that. Like, someone told me this story because last season the Cosmos had this event for season ticket holders. It was a meet the meet the team night. And this guy was Spanish. He went up to Raul to speak to him in Spanish. And I think he said that he didn't even speak back to him in Spanish. So that just goes to show you how much Raul actually cared for the supporters. These people are paying your wages mostly, right? So uh, that's what we have to understand about modern football is that it's all about the money. Uh, and the, I mean, the sport is the best. Uh, it's so fun to watch. It's so fun to pick a team and follow and fall in love with that club. But most players just really don't care that much. Like what we're seeing with Gonzalo, it's a step up. It's a chance to improve their career and maybe eventually go to a bigger club as well and win some titles. That's what it's all about. Wow, that really depressed me. Uh, From that point on, we're going to... I'm sorry, man, but we needed this, man. We needed some reality in the sport. We needed a reality check. Ouch. Oh, God, that that hurt. Okay. (laughs) All right. right, So we're going to do the transfer window winners and losers. I'm going to mention a couple names uh, from each league, and John and I are going to discuss uh, what we think about whether they were a winner or whether they were a loser. Uh, We're going to be really quick with this, just really simple. Uh, John, what do you think about Arsenal, winner or loser? Uh, I think they're a massive loser. Like we said earlier, $100 million each team gets, plus whatever your owner has in his pocket, which I'm guessing it's Stan Kroenke. He owns the Rapids. He owns, I think, some other clubs in America as well. So he has some money to spend. And the CEO in London of Arsenal said that uh, Stan is not holding us back and all that. We can spend as much as we want. Spend the money. Do whatever you like. But Arsene Wenger... It feels like it's his money, and he doesn't want to like uh, spend his money. <laughs> but it's not yeah. his money. It's not. If I'm a manager, like I play on FIFA, like I'm managing a club in re- in r- real life. If I'm handed like forty million dollars, I'm gonna go out there and spend forty million dollars in the transfer market because I want to improve my squad. Arsenal should be in the conversation for the title, but because they're not, it's because they're not going out there and spending the money, and that's why they're a loser. Their supporters think that they're going to buy a striker. Man, I could have told you like at the end of the season that they're not going to buy a striker because Arsene Wenger just goes on YouTube and buys random players. Like They spend like a... They they spend. He gets the scouting videos on like the scout video YouTube channel. And yeah, stuff. like he Ooh, just searches guy one guy, and then like you know how like all like uh, the autoplay c- comes on, and yeah. you just watch like more players. So yeah. he signed a sh- Arsene Wenger signed a striker, right? He signed a striker from Japan, from Japan, for one million uh, pounds. And they're saying that they're uh, that this guy is not their striker that they want because it's not the the big name that they want to see a marquee signing. So again, Arsenal are losers, and they're always gonna be losers in the market unless they sack Wenger. And when they do that, that's when they 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 will become a winner, and they will potentially 
appoint a manager that wants to improve the team, that wants to spend money, and that understands what modern football is all about. Arsene Wenger just doesn't understand that. He's been coaching for 20 years. I, I would sack him today and appoint a brand new manager. Uh, I'm going to say Arsenal are a loser. Uh, I like Xhaka. I like that signing. <clears throat> it's much better than Arteta and Rizitsky and Flamini. Flamini, sorry. The three guys that released or got retired. So I like that signing. I like holding for the future as a center back. I like Asano as well for a future signing. They're both very youthful, decent players. But I think you need stuff now. At this moment, Mustafi uh, has not signed from Valencia, the center back, German guy. Um, at that point, if he does sign, I maybe say Arsenal's a bit more of a winner. But for right now, I'm going to say loser. Moving on to Chelsea. Uh, John, I'm going to say Chelsea are a winner. I like Batshuayi. He's going to compete and potentially out Costa. If not, if anything else, he's just going to put a fire under him to, for him to work harder. And I like Kante, like I said. He's going to be a lot better midfielder in that, in that team right now than Matt Hedge. 4.7 tackles, as I mentioned, most in the league. Uh, 4.2 interceptions per game, most in the league. And in comparison to Matt Hitch, Matt Hitch had 2.5 tackles per game, which was 44th in the league. Uh, and two interceptions a game, which is 72nd in the league. So you're definitely getting a player who can cause more defensive disruptions in there. I didn't like the sale of, sale of Salah, uh, but other than that, I like Chelsea in this window. Simple, but you know, really, really good. Yeah, Anto- Antonio Conte, he knows how to put a team together. And at Chelsea, there is a lot of pieces there that if the right manager is appointed, which he is, he can right the wrong like what happened last season. So, yeah, Conte, he knows what he's doing. And I don't think they, they need to go out there and buy so many players. Like, they're rumored to get Lukaku, which I think for him it's a step up. But do Chelsea really need another striker? I'm not pretty sure. Uh, yeah, good signings. They signed the Belgian. Uh, I think Diego Costa, I think he needs to work harder. And if he doesn't, I think Conte is going to just ship him out at the end of the season. Or or maybe in January. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Yes, sir. All right, so from there, uh, we're going to mention – I'm going to mention Liverpool really, really quick and then move on. Sorry, guys. Uh, Mane, good signing. Really expensive, though, 36 million pounds. I like him. He's got a lot of inflection of energy. He can really change games on a hat, but a lot of times he disappears, so that scares me. I like the signing of Kariush, uh, the goalkeeper from Mines. Really cheap price, less than £5 million. Uh, I don't like the signing of Wijnaldum. If you watched Newcastle last year, you know he was absolutely abysmal and didn't really try, much like Sissoko. And he and Sissoko were basically the two reasons why they went down, because they, they were the two guys they spent a lot of money on in most recent memory. Sissoko was several years ago, Wijnaldum last year, and they both just did not perform. So, I mean, I'm a little skeptical about that one, but I love Matip on a free from Schalke. Um, and then... I mentioned Spurs earlier. I like them as a winner. Uh, Liverpool, I'm going to say winner for now, uh, but we'll put them in question later. <clears throat> and then Spurs, I said we're a winner with Wanyam and Jansen. You get two guys for squad depth that are going to challenge the guys for the first team spots. Um, then from there, John, we're going to talk about the two Manchester clubs. United, are they a winner or are they a loser? Yeah, they're I'm pretty a- sure this is obvious. but Yeah, Manchester City, Manchester United, they're both winners in their own ways because United... Mourinho came in and just signed players that really needed to be added to the squad. Pogba, Ypres, uh, Mkhitaryan as well, uh, and just quality players. You you have to add quality players, and when you're Mourinho, there's a lot on the line. Your reputation is on the line. So 
for Mourinho. And in three years, this team could not be playing it together because it's just how Mourinho sets up his team. But I think for now, they are a winner and they are going to do great things. Manchester City as well. Guardiola brought in big players, John Stones and etc. Some more players as well. And they are a winner. Yeah, I think in my eyes, there's only one way to put a Fionetta. They're a winner. You get Ebron or Free, which is absolutely golden. You get Eric Bailey from Villarreal, who's a good center back who looks like he's going to start alongside Smalling. Uh, so you're getting a guy that you can immediately plug in, and that's good. I love the signing of Mkhitaryan because he got signed for £26 million, and that's 10 less than Sadio Mane. And if you look at them side by side, that's an absolute steal. So they signed most of their players uh, within that £100 budget. So... Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, Pogba was eighty nine, uh, so that they went over. But we know Manchester United has more money. And the thing is, is, I don't see that as an overpay because if you have to look at it, I mean, I like the signing of Pogba, and they're a big winner for me because of the signing of Pogba because they showed humility because they said, "Hey, look, you know what? We didn't think you're going to turn out to be that much. We let you play in three sub appearances for our club and let you go on bad terms. Here we are saying we messed up. You're the best." <laughs> Come back, uh, and I love that. Uh, that's one of the reasons Manchester United is a winner for me. The biggest Pogba question is, is that to be signed. people say that, like, oh, why are they overpaying for Pogba? He's he's not worth that much and all that. But yes. Manchester United makes about, I, th- I think it's $500 million. So if you think about that, at least they're spending something. If, you, if you're a supporter, you want to see them spend as much money as they possibly can to improve their team. So if they're going out there and spending over $100 million for Pogba, that's pretty exciting. That shows you that they're motivated, that they really want to improve their team. So for all those haters, and the real truth is that a player is worth whatever that team wants to pay. So yeah, so that's just the basics on Pogba. And Pogba is going to give them a whole new dimension they don't have. They don't have a box-to-box midfielder that's got a lot of power and strength. You've got Carrick, who's a passer of the ball. I mean, you have Schweini, who's a passer of the ball that sits back and defends. It's very uh, passive in his play now. You're going to get Pogba, who's balls to the wall, guns blazing, going to go hard box to box. And that's something that they don't have right now. As for City, I like what they did. Um, signing of Lito, I thought was a good one. I liked um, signing Gundogan at that midfield area to really uh, solidify that midfield spot and maybe give Toure a guy to uh, play around with, assuming that he stays. Um, I don't necessarily know much about Gabriel Jesus. I think it's a pretty expensive for a guy coming from Brazil and Sané, a really expensive one as well. Those two combined basically are around, you know, sixty to seventy million. But if anything, along with the signing of Nolito, because they all play on the wing, which is a lot of signings on the wing, um, I know for a fact they're going to replace Jesus Navas on that wing, who just hasn't been really producing as much as he really should. I mean, he used to be a guy that could pace it out, play it down the wing, and for a cross and give you a couple assists, and he can barely do that anymore. So I think one of them is going to replace uh, yeah, Navas. And if anything, these signings are going to put a fire under Raheem Sterling's behind to actually think, oh, I need to start playing well or else I'm going to get benched. And maybe that really you know, leads to him playing better on the field. So And also jazz. it's rumored that uh, I think David Silva might leave as well. So That's a bad move. Don't do that. City, if you're listening, don't do that. Well, uh, if, if he does move, can you please come to Everton? Like, we need some midfielders. We need, we need, we need, we we need a spine, man. We need a spine in in our team to go on and win the league. Because that's what I think Everton can do this year if we sign some players. People might be laughing yeah. at me about Everton potentially winning the league eventually, 
but we can do it. We have the money. Everyone has the money. Everyone should have their goal on winning the league. Definitely, definitely. A couple other winners in the Premier League. I like Middlesbrough coming up. Uh, they signed Victor Fisher from Ajax, a good attacking midfielder, a winger for about four million pounds. I like the signings of Valdez and Guzan, both in goal on uh, freeze. Guzan will probably lose the job to Valdez, in my opinion. Guzan, I don't think is that great a keeper, but if anything, you're going to get two guys um, that are experienced goalkeepers and can either way lead from the back. Uh, then I like Negredo on a loan. I mean, he's scored. He didn't have a bad goal scoring record when he was with City in the Premier League, so he's going to give you a guy that front that's. Um, strong, he's going to be big in the area. Apparently, gets win some headers and score some goals. And Jordan Rhodes should be a really good striker to compliment him as well. So I like what they did in the window. In the window, uh, and then to close it out in the Premier League, I like <clears throat> West Ham as my winner, my final winner. Uh, they just they were probably one of the most active teams in the window. They signed Andre Ayew. I think that was their best signing. Um, Twenty and a half million pounds. He scored the second most goals amongst all midfielders last year behind Mares. With he had twelve. Uh, they signed Lanzini on permanent deal. Uh, after Cresswell went down to the left-back position, they signed Masuaku from Olympiacos and Santel from Inter on loan. Uh, they also grabbed up Norbite from Gladbach on a free, Faguli on a free from Valencia, and Gokan Torre from Besiktas on a loan. Uh, my loser from the Premier League has got to be Swansea. You lost IU, like I mentioned. He was one of the most active midfielders for goal scoring last year. You lost Ashley Williams, who was one of the most influential defenders last season in the Premier League. Fourth most interceptions in the league, 98. Uh, and then for block shots, he was second uh, with 43. So he had a lot of defensive action last year. And they're going to be missing their captain and defensive leader, which I think is going to be really, really tough for them. Um, so moving out of England, we're going to talk really quickly about France. I think Leon has to be a big winner. At the moment, they've kept Lacazette, and that's probably the most important thing that they need to, to do right now. So for them, they're a big winner for me. Uh, and then I'm looking on to PSG. You lost Ibra, so that's sad. Uh, but I think you're going to be more content with what you have going forward. You signed Ben Arthur from Nice, taking it from a you know a competing team that was looking at Champions League, Europa League last year. And I like Krachowiak, uh in midfield to go alongside Matuidi for now. If Matuidi leaves, it's a definite signing that's needed, but for now it's a good sign that you can maybe put in him, put him in there with uh, Matuidi or Pastore or Ferrati. You're just adding more and more depth to that midfield area. Uh, and then last one, France. I'm going to say Marseille is the big loser in France. Uh, one of the big three teams, as most of us would uh, know if you watch any league, uh, uh, but they have struggled. If I remember doing the numbers correctly, they had 13 players come in, uh, and then 19 players leave. And this is, you know, whether it's release or signing freeze, transfer fees, um, loans, all that jazz. They had 13 come in and 19 come out. And for me, that's just too much turnover in a squad to actually wow. create enough chemistry and consistency uh, for the. So that's a little bit scary for me. Uh, they lost their goalkeeper Steve Mandanda. It wasn't the you know the greatest pair of hands. Uh, but you're going to lose a defensive leader that's going to be that's been there for numerous years. And you also lost Inclus, your center back, to Leon. So, and that's one of the bigger reasons why Leon's a winner too, because not only did they keep Lacazette, they took a rival center back. So you're going to lose two defensive leaders if you're Marseille, and you're going also going to lose uh, Batshuayi, who scored I think it was 17 goals in the league last year. So, yeah, a little bit rocky there uh, for. Uh, Marseille, uh, Italy. Uh, John, what do you think about Napoli there? Winner or loser in your eyes? Uh, well, see, we lost our biggest guy, Gonzalo, but I think we're a winner, uh, which would shock a lot of people because 
We got decent money for a player that's about to be 29 eventually. He's getting older. Uh, we got $90 million for that guy within two years, so that's pretty exciting. And then we signed Milik, 22-year-old striker. We bought Giacolini from, uh, from Sunderland, which I don't know why he didn't fit in there at all. Uh, so that was a pretty decent buy. Uh, I forgot who else we bought. Giacolini. Uh, you brought uh, Peter Zielinski from Udinese. Oh, yes. Uh, and yeah, we bought him. And then you brought uh, Lorenzo Tonelli from Empoli. Yeah, that Tonelli was the first signing we needed a center back for some reason. But the funniest part about Zielinski was that he didn't want to come to uh, Napoli. I think it was like Liverpool that was being rumored to sign him. But right when we got his countryman Milik, he was like, okay, I'm going to Napoli because they have a Polish guy. So I thought that was pretty cool. I do like those two signings because you can have two guys that are from the same nation that speak the same language. It could be buds and adjusting in a new situation. Now, for me, I'm going to say Napoli are a loser just to you know create a little bit of discussion. But I think the signings that they made are a good sign. But I think the the scandal and the frustration and the rioting—I say rioting lightly—behind the Iguain deal is just overarching for me, and it just makes me very. Uh, uncomfortable about the Napa situation just because there's so much hate and frustration there. But the one you lost your you lost your biggest goal scorer. What do you say? He scored thirty five goals last year. He was the top scorer in Serie A, so that's yeah. gonna be tough to replace. He he broke the record for most goals scored in a season in Serie A. So that was That's pretty... just tough to replace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to say is that what I mean I think that's what they're trying to do is saying who's gonna score us not 36 goals because no one's going to do that on a consistent basis unless Gonzalo is on some steroids, which I'm hoping he is, so he gets like suspended and all that. But uh, what I was trying to get at was the fixture that I'm looking forward to in Serie A is Juve-Napoli because that's going to be a crazy fixture, especially when Gonzalo comes back to Naples. That's going to be a very, very tense atmosphere. Gonzalo should be fearing for his life. Because that's how tense it's going to be. I just feel like if things go Speaking wrong. Speaking of Juve, yeah, are they a winner or are they a loser? They has to. They 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 just have to be the winner. You sign Danny Alves on on a free transfer. You bring in Gonzalo for. I mean, it's just forty seven million for this year, so that's pretty nice. Uh, and if you think about that, like anyone could have brought in Gonzalo. Like Middlesbrough could have brought in Gonzalo. <laughs> Right, they have a hundred million. So if you set aside forty-seven million for the next year, you can actually purchase Gonzalo. So I don't know why everyone was like, "I'm not spending a hundred million." Well, if you would have been smart about it and said, "I'm going to pay it in like two, three years," you could actually buy him. But whatever. But yeah, Juve is the winner. You signed Gonzalo. They they got rid of Pogba. That doesn't matter at all. They just got over no, $100 million. No, I mean, they dollars. signed Pjanic, who's a more than capable replacement. And you think, got Marco uh, Piaccia, who they signed from Dinamo Zagreb, who's probably more of a wide player, but even then he gives you an option. Yeah, I mean, Pjanic, I think they signed for like... him was maybe, uh, maybe a blessing in disguise. I mean, because he gave you all this money to do this. And I mean, ultimately, I think selling Pogba and bringing in Pjanic, Piaccia, uh, Benatia on a loan, Higuain, uh, Simon Gans, and then this guy, who is this? Uh, Leonardo Spinazzola, but then Danny Alves under free. I mean, this team is better than it was last year, and they still lost Paul Pogba. So I think for them, they have to be a big winner because they got all that money for Pogba and got their squad better. But the biggest um, challenge John- for Juve is 
okay, their their squad is massively better than it was last season. Yeah. But how far are they going to go in the Champions League? If they don't go far as they expect to 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 go, then I think the supporters are going to be upset and they're going to question the buys this this uh, off season. I think, I think they're definitely a semifinal team. But um, with so. the squad, wouldn't you try to challenge to win the whole thing or no? Or that's off the table. Oh, well, I definitely think they can challenge to win, but I think with their current squad right now, I think they'll probably get to a semifinal because they'll probably come up against a Barcelona or a, a Real Madrid and struggle. But I just don't think they're done improving at all because uh, people no. are, are trying to say, like, who's going to replace Pogba? We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Exactly, exactly. Um, final one in Serie A. Uh, John, you have a little bit of information on AC Milan. Are they a winner or are they a loser? I uh, I think they're a massive loser. Like, there's not one club that, like, shoots at you like, loser, loser. But that's AC Milan right now because their owner, Berlusconi, who – is from Italy, he's Italian, he likes Milan. He owned the club, I think it was for like 20 years, or maybe more than that, and he brought a trophy on a consistent basis like every single season. And he's finally selling the club to some Chinese investors for I think it was like over $700 million. So that's a lot of money to buy a club for. But uh, yeah, so they're a loser because their current owner is not, uh, giving money to buy players to improve the squad. So he's saying, okay, right when the people take over, that's when you can spend the money. So the only way they can buy players is to sell their current players on their squad, and that's how they would get some money to spend, which is not the best way to do it. They were trying to sell Baca, which I don't understand because he's your sort of like your only striker or your best striker. He scores on a consistent basis. Why would you be selling him to sort of uh, get some money to spend? But he's about to be 30 years old, and they have a brand-new manager. He coached within Serie A as well, Vincenzo Montella. He's a pretty decent manager. So, And then now their owner put the green light to some money to spend for a midfielder. So I think we're going to see a different Milan squad, mostly a young, young squad. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. They didn't sign any big-name players. But I, I think they can compete uh, potentially for a, a Europa League place. The one thing that worries me the most is if they don't meet the expectations of the owner, then I feel that the manager would be fired in the middle of the season. Because Milan has a... They just do this every year. They just fire their managers like every single season, and that does not help the team at all. So if things go right, they can fight for Europe. If things go wrong, then their manager might be fired in the middle of the season. All right. To Germany we go. Uh, I think Bayern has to be a big winner. They stole basically Mats Hummels from Bayern Munich, and it's going to be a good center-back partner for Boateng, and they got Renato Sanchez, who was arguably one of the best players in the Euros, uh, especially for Portugal. But they're definitely a big winner. I think Dortmund is actually a bigger winner, though, because despite the fact that they lost Hummels, they stole Roda and Goetze from Dor- uh, sorry from Bayern. They also brought in Sherla, Mark Bartra, uh, Rafael Guerrero, Os- Osman Dembele, uh, and then young Turkish boy Emre Moore. So I think they brought a lot of depth in. I think the loss of Hummels is not that impactful, the fact that they brought in this much uh, as far as depth goes. And I mean, I think of getting, I mean, like, oh, you can say, oh, Guts is basically Bayern's uh, 
bench boy. But I mean, think about the, we're building the Bayern. Sorry, we're building the Dortmund team that was basically beating the Bayern team a couple years ago, because you had Kigawa, you had Gutsa, both in midfield. I mean, you lost Gundogan, but you have Aubameyang now, who's at his prime. Now, so I mean, you're building a team that basically was beating Bayern several years ago. So I mean, I like this a lot. Uh, big loser in uh, in I guess we could say the Bundesliga would be uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, they've lost their two heart two hearts in midfield, and uh, Nordweit who went to West Ham, and then Jacka who went to Arsenal. Uh, so you're basically going to force uh, new signing Christoph Kramer and Dafud, young boy. Uh, to step up in the roles uh, left by those two guys. So it's not horribly, uh, you know, loser status there for Munchen Gladbach, but they're definitely losing two instrumental players uh, to, you know, potentially make a damage in their potential to go for the Champions League spot. Um, last, we're going to move into Spain really quick. We're going to blow through this. We're really running long, maybe. I don't know what time it is. Who knows? Uh, but uh, so uh, Spain real quick. We're going to look at Atletico. Madrid, I think they're a big winner. Uh, they got uh, Kevin Gamero from Sevilla. So if you didn't know, uh, he was instrumental in their attack last season. He scored 16 goals in the league, which doesn't sound all that great, but he had four assists as well and basically contributed to about 40% of the goals that Sevilla scored last season. So very uh, much of a pretty big hit in Sevilla's attack because you're looking at you know 40% of your goals gone out the window. But uh, Atletico Madrid also signed uh, not only Gamera, but they signed Gaetan, who's a winger from Benfica, like that. Um, going forward, as for Sevilla, talking about Sevilla, we're going to go to them. Um, the hole left by Gamera won't be all that missed, I don't think. They're also a winner in my eyes because they signed Wissam Ben Yedder from Toulouse in France. Uh, ben Yedder replacing uh, Gamera, who scored 16 goals last season, will be relatively just probably scoring the same amount of goals. I mean, Ben Yedder over the past four seasons have scored 15 goals, 16 goals, 14 goals, and 17 goals uh, in the last four seasons. So he's consistently scoring around 15 goals, which is what Gamero was basically putting in the back of the net last season. So I think they're going to be a big winner. They also signed Ganzo for uh, Joaquin Correa from Sampdoria, Franco Vasquez from Palermo, and Hiroshi Kiyotake from Hanover. So a lot of attacking options going forward for them. I like what they're doing. Talking about the big two, John, Barcelona, winner or loser? Barcelona is a winner for sure. Uh, I just can't see how they're a loser. Uh, and they're going to win the league for sure as well. They're not going to walk the league, but they're going to win it, and they are a big winner. Yeah, I think they're a big winner. You signed him Titi, you signed Dinier, two defensive options are going to be good. You signed Dennis Suarez, who's an upcoming attacking option. But the biggest reason why they were a winner for me is they took Andre Gomez right uh, underneath right from underneath Real Madrid's nose. Those two teams are going at it for the Valencia midfielder, and Barcelona won it out. I signed him for around $50 million. So to know that you took the player that your R-Trap wanted, uh, who's going to compete with you for the title, and you take him from them, that's going to make you a winner. And in that case, in my eyes, I see Real Madrid as a loser. They only signed Morata, who I think was a necessary signing, back up Benzema, although he might not even say because they're thinking about just turning him for a profit, but uh, the fact that they lost out on Gomez makes them a loser for me. John, what do you think? I, I just think Napoli should go for Benzema. Imagine that replacement right there. Like, Napoli just flashes the cla- the cash for Benzema and uh, Milik up front against Juve. That'd be massive. Keep dreaming. Uh, from there, uh, we're going to we're gonna finish things out with extra time. Uh, John, why don't you uh, 
take us home, man. Okay, so my extra time, my first extra time for this uh, season, this European season here, is, uh, well, there's a video on the Chelsea Fan Channel. If you didn't check it out, go ahead and check it out. I wasn't on it. Hopefully, I will be on their channel one day. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they they always have these pranks, like, before the start of the season. They went to uh, White Hart Lane, home of Spurs, and they put, like, a big Chelsea banner, and they wanted uh, Spurs fans to help them out. So this time, they went to Wembley for the uh, Community Shield when Manchester United played Leicester, Manchester United won. But before the game, outside of the stadium, they were interviewing Manchester United players and asking them to spell Zlatan Ibrahimovic, his last name, Ibrahimovic, and Manchester United fans couldn't spell his name. They had his name on the back of his shirt. So this is just a tip out there. If you have a player on the back of your shirt and you can't spell it, then you shouldn't buy that shirt at all. You just shouldn't do it. So just a tip out there to all football fans. Don't get embarrassed, especially by a Chelsea supporter, because Man United is going to win the league. And I don't know why she was pulling the prank. It is a hard name to spell. I can't spell it at all. I'm not a big fan of United, but I don't know anyone that can really spell his name unless you really follow Zlatan. Oh, bro, I can spell it right here on the spot. Okay, let's do it, man. <laughs> okay, so we're looking at I-B-R-A-H-I-M-O-V-I-C. Ibrahimovic. <laughs> Come on, fans, get with it. <laughs> uh, get so, with it. <laughs> my extra time for today is going to be uh, talking about the Jacksonville Armada, which is my hometown team. Yeah, uh, down in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, from for those of you who follow NASL, or if those those of you who don't, the Jacksonville Armada are a second uh, second tier team in the NASL in American soccer. They are a, they're in year two of their project. Last year, the first year, they stunk it up. This year, we signed uh, head coach Tony Miola for those American former former American soccer goalkeeper who was in the U.S. national team in the 1990, 1994, and 2002 World Cup. Uh, so you're thinking, oh, yeah, you know, guy that's experienced the U.S. national team, he's going to lead us to victory. <laughs> now we're bottom of the table uh, again for a second straight year in a row. And I think we actually have less points or similar points to Puerto Rico FC, who was a team that just joined in the fall season. For those of you who are unaware, we have two seasons. We have a half. We have two half seasons. We have a spring and a fall. Puerto Rico did not play in the spring season and only in the fall, and we are basically on level points with them, and they've only had part of a fall. We've had spring and part of a fall, which well, is pretty embarrassing. He got fired. Uh, I'm miserable, but also happy at the same time. Hopefully, Jacksonville can figure things out. I know, look, he's upset. But he's going to continue being captain and doing what he needs to do. Otherwise, Emila, thanks for put good riddance, bro. Uh, well, when, when they first announced Tony, right, I yeah. was like, oh, wow. It looks like the Armada finally got what they, like the coach they needed. And I thought he actually had a project. Like he had something lined up to make the team a winner, right? And then you see over time that he just didn't know what he was doing at all. So... It just goes to show you that the biggest name, uh, the best player, he had success with his national team and, and with his club, but that doesn't bring over success as a manager. Maybe he needs more experience. Maybe NASL 
just wasn't what he what he needed. He claimed that he coached like twenty five years. Was that like what Sunday League? You, you know what I mean? Like probably what? like Sunday League or like U ten girls at like recreational soccer. That's not or good like, enough experience. You know what I mean? Like, or like there's no impact on those results. Uh, it's just ugh. because uh, I can coach ten years of like recreational high school. And then, like, uh, the Sounders call me up tomorrow and, like, oh, wow, you're the best manager in the the, lo- the local a- area, right? Yep. And you're not going to do good because you're not coaching professionals. You're just coaching, like, kids. So, I don't know. I just wish all the best for Tony Miola. Hopefully, he gets a job somewhere else. I'm not yep, really expecting riddance, NASL at all. Maybe USL. Maybe he goes back to radio, which I think is a better job for him uh, because he <laughs> won't get sacked. He can actually talk about the sport. I don't know who who I don't know who would want to hire him now because he got sacked as a manager, and maybe he people might think that he doesn't have what it takes to even talk about the sport. But who knows? Uh, I have one extra time. One other extra time is during preseason. Manchester United manager Jose Mourinho. <laughs> they were on a preseason in China, and this Chelsea fan wanted him to sign. His Chelsea jersey, Mourinho said, no, I'm not signing your Chelsea jersey, and he moved on. I would not want to be that Chelsea supporter wanting Savage. your uh, former manager to sign your shirt, and then you're, you're just sitting there embarrassed like, what? Mourinho just passed me by, but that's Mourinho. He's not a manager. He doesn't care. He's a character for the telly. And with that, that is our uh, final I guess, send off for this episode. We are back. We're happy to be back. John, thank you for joining me today. For those of you who are looking to listen to us, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Youth Academy Podcast. Type that in the search bar and you can subscribe and listen to new episodes that come into your podcast app on your iPhone. If you have Android, no idea how to do that, whatever. But and also, you can it. leave us a review. Tweet us where are you listening from as well. You can tweet us. And what are you doing while you are listening to our voices? So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And Zach, we'll send you guys off. Bye, guys. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at ZachSportsTalkZero. You can follow Logan Alexander at It's Logie on Twitter. You can follow John at JFrashanti1. Like I said, subscribe to us on iTunes. Go to SoundCloud, Youth Academy Pod, and follow the Youth Academy Pod on Twitter at Youth Academy Pod. Thank you all for joining us at this episode's have a great day.